Good morning. Well, my name is Edgar Momo. I'm on the pastoral staff here at ZF. We are now in the middle of the book of Daniel that we have been studying. And today we're going to look at the sixth narrative in this book. And a story like this story that we're going to deal with today, like all other stories that we have already covered, shows us how Daniel thrived as an exile in a foreign land amidst challenges and threats. The story also shows us how God delivered Daniel from his enemies and the jaws of lions. By the time King Darius, probably the same man referred to as Cyrus, became king, Daniel had already been an, in exile in Babylon for about 60 years and served both King Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius before the fall of Babylon. And after the Medo-Persians took over the reign of power, Daniel once again had the privilege of serving under King Darius. About this time, he was probably in his early 80s, which means that he was no longer the 17-year-old or 18-year-old teenager who first arrived in Babylon, full of values from his upbringing and zeal for his God. And one would have expected that by now Daniel being well fluent in the language and culture of the land and had, had been highly trained in his civil service, could have tried to fit in to the culture by this time or at least compromised some of his values. But regardless of the season of life Daniel found himself, whether it's the 17-year-old Daniel or the 80-year-old man, he remained faithful to the God of his fathers, who is able to save his people who put their trust in him. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 6, and we will read. Follow along as I read. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give accounts, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel, with regard to the kingdom, but they found, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful. No error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel until we find it in connection with the law of his God. 
Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came to agreement and found Daniel making petitions and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreements to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought to and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the tomb of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak of at break of day, the king arose and went to, uh, in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in, in a tone of anguish. Then the king declared to Daniel, "O oh, Daniel, servant of a living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions?" Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they have, have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. Because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded 
And those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, their children and their, fam- and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall not be shall not be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus Epagian. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you. That we have records like this in your word to remind us of who you are. You are the ancient of days. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Or we could even say you are the God of Daniel. And you are the God of Edgar. And you are the God of Zeph. And everyone who calls upon your name. Please speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' name. So we are going to look at three movements. From this narrative, number one, we'll look at the king's plan to promote Daniel. And then the administrator's plot to destroy him. But God intervened and delivered him. So please come along with me as we look at this movement. Once Darius assumed power, he started by reorganizing the government of this huge empire. Verse 1 and 2 reads, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. And their duty and their role was to supervise or superintend over the empire. And this was a strategic move by the king. To appoint high officials who, can, who we can liken in our modern parlance as secretaries of state or prime ministers to administrate over this vast kingdom. And the 120 satraps, we could liken to say they were provincial secretaries and who were to report to the uh, secretaries of state or prime ministers. Their role was literally to serve as protectors of security of the kingdom and to collect taxes for the king. However, to prevent them from corruption or withholding some of the taxes from the king, the king decided to make over them three officials who, to whom they would be accountable. And verse 3 reads, This Daniel became distinguished above all the high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. We can observe two things from this verse. First, Daniel immediately exemplified himself among the three officials by his exceptional qualities. And therefore, the king planned on making him the chief secretary of state. 
And it will be easy for us to assume today that perhaps Daniel's exceptional qualities were because of his long experience in his civil service. And having served under two presidents, as we would say in America, and he's now serving under the third president. So, but these qualities that Daniel exemplified were not only as a showcasing of his ability to perform certain taxes, uh, 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 tasks that the others were not able to do. These qualities do not simply imply his stellar outward performance of his duties, but that the condition of his heart was right. Meaning, there was no attitude or character in him that the king would be displeased of and not and trust him with his responsibilities. In other words, he displayed a humble heart. And he was full of integrity. He didn't fight for recognition or cared who got the praise for a collective job well done. And above all, the fear of God was in him. So Daniel thrived in exile, living out what Paul would later write in Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15, he's, Paul says here, Do all things without grumbling or disreputing, which is arguing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as light in the world. What about you? What about me? Are you thriving in your place of work? Are you thriving in your family, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your business place, as exiles in this world, where we are called to shine as lights to the glory of God? Perhaps one of the things that deems our lights the most is our attitude. When we go through trials, or even at work. We may be very good at what we do. But if we have this bad habit of a bad attitude, always complaining, grumbling, arguing, seeking recognition, picking up fights with our co-workers or neighbors, we will certainly fail to shine our light as God will require of us. In Daniel, these things were not found. And so also are we called to shine our light as we live in this world where we are exiles. And the second thing we observe in this verse is that King Darius noticed the inner qualities of Daniel and planned to promote him to become an overseer over the other officials. Whereas we may not be always recognized for our jobs, the things that we do, or the excellent spirit by which we perform our duties. But there will not be a denying of the qualities in us after the, a long run if we fail to be weary in well-doing. Because a light that is perpetually shining cannot be dismissed. 
You may dislike it. You may avoid it. You may even try to dim it. But cannot fail to see it, especially when it shines to the glory of God. For Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And the second movement here is the administrator's plot to destroy Daniel. And we can see that from verse 4 to 9. So by now, word leaked from the royal palace that a king was planning to promote Daniel as the chief secretary of state in our own modern day um, parlance. And that information ignited the fury of the other officials. And by now you know that government leaks are not peculiar to modern day, uh, you know, political enigma, right? So there is always leaks that will come out from the place of power. Then the high officials, see what they say here in verse 4 and 5. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regards to the kingdom. But they could not find ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. And these men said, we shall not find any grounds for complaint against Daniel unless... We find it in connection with the law of his God. So tried as they may, the officials found no grounds or no, uh, uh, at all not, uh, for them to bring an accusation against Daniel. So they went through all the arrows in their quivers, but none could hit the target that they wanted. Because Daniel was faithful, Daniel was loyal, Daniel was diligent, and there was no corruption found in him. They even whipped his ethnicity against him, calling him this foreigner and an exile. But that too did not measure up to the treasonable church they wanted to peg him with. But even though they could find nothing... They were not about to give up until they found what they call the Eureka moment. And voila, this is it. They found it. And they said to themselves, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And that was easy to find anyway because Daniel made no secret about his faith and commitment to the law of his God. There was not, he was not a secret, he was not in his secret service of, for God. You see him, you know. His life showed, his light was shining for everyone to see. And when I read this portion of the narrative, my first reaction was, what a great testimony this would be for someone to say that about me or about you. That they have examined our lives closely and could not find any fault with us except for our commitment to God. But friends, this goes beyond merely showcasing how Daniel passed the nomination scrutiny that goes on with political appointment. By tomorrow, I think one is going to start in our nation where they have to scrutinize you 
as far as before you were born, perhaps. They found no fraudulent expense accounts against Daniel. There was no intern scandals against Daniel. There was no questionable business deals against Daniel. There was no gifts from lobbyists against Daniel. And there was no accusation from his staff. Nothing. His record was clean. Zero. Rather, they said, I think we should find something to do with his God. But this is not really to show us Daniel as a model so that we begin to measure ourselves against Daniel's own um, 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 uh, character to the point that we feel discouraged that we do not measure up. What this was actually trying to show was to remind the exiles in Babylon that they can still thrive in spite of their challenges and the sinful culture they found themselves that God was abundantly able to deliver those who put their trust in him. Perhaps after hearing this impeccable testimony about Daniel, you already feel guilty. You are asking yourself, what would they say about me? Well, here is the good news. That your offenses and all its written charges against you can be absolved or have been already absolved by Christ. And your record have been made clean. Because when he went to the cross, he took our sins that were against us. The written codes, Colossians says, that stood against us. And he nailed it to the cross, triumphing over it. And he said, you are free. You are clean. So we are not looking at our own righteousness. We are looking at the righteousness of Christ in us. For this reason, Christ says to us, for if any man is in Christ, or the Bible says to us, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, the old is gone, and the new has come. And now, therefore, now there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So by these officials, one they found a line of attack against Daniel, in connection with his God, they came up with an urgent bill that they knew that the king would not refuse to sign. So they flattered the king by appealing to his ego and pride to sign an edict that would oblige everyone in the kingdom to pray not to any divine nor any man, but only to the king for 30 days. Not for one year, not for 10 years, not forever, just 30 days. Because perhaps they were thinking, if we shorten this, we'll have enough, you know, we'll get Daniel as fast as we could. So let's just make it 30 days. And they went to the king. And behold, the king, of course, yielded to them. But this was not only a test of Daniel's faithfulness or his loyalty, but this was even an attack against God himself, the God of Daniel. It was not just about Daniel, but it's the God of Daniel. So yes, Daniel's patriotism was on the line. His pledge of loyalty to the king was on the line. So there is this confliction between who do I owe my loyalty first? To the king or to my God? All of these was on the line, but what was on the line the most 
it was the fact that it was an attack against God himself, the God of Daniel. Because it hit at the center of the very first commandment that God gave his people. You shall have no other God before me. So by signing the edict, the king unknowingly signed the death warrant of Daniel. Because according to the, the, the laws of the Medes and the Persians, or their constitution, the king had no power to repeal any law that he signs and put a signet on it. So these guys knew that they would get Daniel once that is done. And what was the uh, consequence of this particular crime? Was that you were thrown into the lion's den. So what happened? So when Daniel heard this, and he went back again to his house, and he prayed in the same way, in the same, at the same time, in the same place, just as he has always done. And someone may ask, was this a kind of silent or peaceful protest from Daniel? I would want to think that maybe not. Because Daniel did not do, engage in anything extraordinary. Nor did he confront anyone. But he certainly did not compromise his loyalty to God. His God, when he was conflicted between loyalty to the state and loyalty to God. And while we may be right here, right now in this country, we are blessed with religious freedom. There are millions of our brothers, fellow Christian brothers and sisters around the world, who are forced to make that hard decision every day to pick up their cross and count the cost for following Jesus Christ. We are seated here this morning. There are people whose heads... Paras are on the line right now. What about you? What if the law of the land tends to conflict with our faith, our freedom of worship, how we pray to, um, or how we pray or what to believe in the interest of health? If it's not, because we see the COVID-19 and we, was, we, we, we had a lockdown, of course, that was in the interest of health and safety. But what if a law is to be passed in the land and the pretext of promoting what is called tolerance, what is called inclusion, or what is called prevention of hate speech, or what we, be th we, we may think of social justice, what would be your response? Would you stand for the Lord if those laws are in contravention with the laws of God? Would you? Would you stand up? As for Daniel, he resolved to live faithfully unto his God since his teenage life. So he was not going to ditch God now that he's an old man, 80 years old. He's not going to do it. Even if it was going to cost him his life or be thrown into the lion's den. And similarly, God's people must be prepared to live dangerously when it comes to remaining faithful to God. But we must rightly so expect that these may cost us consequences. Consequences that we may lose our freedom. Consequences that we may even lose our families or our lives. But then Jesus said to us, those who want to save their lives will lose it. And those who lose, their, who lose their lives for my sake will find it. I love 
Richard Wombrandt, and many of you have read his book, Tortured for Christ, and he had this to say. He said, it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners in the communist jail in Romania. So he's, he writes this, a number of us decided to pay a price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted the terms that the guards set. It was a deal. We preached, they beat us. We were happy preaching, and they were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. That was their resolve, that we will continue to do the will of the Father, no matter what it takes. Brothers and sisters, there are people right now around the world, I just, as I just said, who are paying with their lives for the same faith that you and I are taking for granted here. For the freedom that you and I don't realize this morning. There are people, and Christ has called us to. What if things change in this country? Would you be ready to stand for the Lord and for his glory? Lastly, God's intervention and deliverance of Daniel. So far, we have seen how the king planned to promote Daniel, but the administrators plotted to destroy him. Now, so let us look at how God intervened to deliver Daniel. And need I say that this is the most interesting part in any Sunday school class? Yeah, we all love it, right? And Sunday school teachers, you say amen. Yep. So King Darius signed a bill into law that only he should be prayed to for 30 days. And the conspirators were left with no doubt that they would trap Daniel in their snare. And it didn't take even a day. One day didn't elapse. And there Daniel was. But Stan says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber and opened um, toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God. And as he had done previously. And so these conspirators hurriedly went back to the king and they told the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pay no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And when the king heard this, he was greatly disturbed because he was about to lose one of his most trusted officials. Because according to, as I said, the laws of the Medes and the Persians, it, it was irrevocable. But now the king too was faced with a test of loyalty of his own, just like Daniel. Whereas he wanted to save Daniel's life, he had to choose between being loyal to the constitution of the land or loyal to Daniel. You realize, the, do, you, do you see the parallels here? These guys succeeded, I mean the conspirators succeeded to bring Daniel and the king into the same plight of testing their loyalties. Daniel's loyalty was tested between the land, the king, and his heavenly king. The king's loyalty is tested between the constitution of the land and protecting his faithful and impeccable official. So these guys have been able to succeed in doing that. And both men had to make choices. 
Daniel chose the law of his God over the constitution of the land or the king. And the king had to choose the constitution over Daniel. And therefore the focus here shifts from Daniel and Darius to the king of Daniel, uh, to the God of Daniel and the constitution of the Medes and the Persians here. While the constitution was going to kill an innocent man. The other place that um, um, loyalty was placed, which is God, was going to deliver Daniel. So there is a conflict here now. It's a power play between two powers are fighting here. And of course, the lesser power we eventually bow. And the king could not save Daniel, so he let Daniel be placed in the lion's den. But he said these words, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And behold, it was early in the morning, the king returned to the den, having had a sleepless night. And when he appeared, he said, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God. And first, when he appears, when he gets there, he calls out and asks this so much important question, which was a test, a proof of whose power and authority is going to prevail. And the king is asking, he says, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the, from the lions? Then a victorious voice sounded from down below the pit. And he said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the mouths of the lions. He found no fault in me. And I have done nothing against you. I am innocent. In other words, Daniel was saying, victory belongs to our God Almighty, all-powerful, all-glorious. And he delivers us in miraculous ways. And this caused the king himself to make the final victory call in these following verses. And listen to them. I love them. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God. Enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. And his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Let's close with this. Two points. How we can respond to this. One, discipleship is costly. Scripture declares in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 that everyone who is determined to live a godly life as a follower of Christ will be persecuted. And the Lord himself sustained that. He says, rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted for his name's sake, just as they did to his prophets of old. For great is our reward in heaven. But friends, remind, I want us to, be, to remember this, that Daniel did not engage in any showboating or, or grandstanding in this situation. He did not use his faith as a source of contention. But nonetheless, he did not allow fear to influence him from living out his faith or proclaiming that he believed in the God Almighty. So are we. God has not called us to go out there to be contentious. But at the same time, we should not fear if 
living out our lives and, and proclaiming Jesus Christ will cause contention, that is not our aim. But we are to live to his glory. And that's what Daniel did. And lastly, God is our rescuer and redeemer. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're going through a rough time, a rough season in your life. You feel like you're in a very deep, 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 deep hole. You are in a very dark place right now. And you are losing hope in God that he can do anything to change the situation. This story reminds us that God can rescue. That God can redeem us. That God can reach down the pit where you are and raise you up. He did it for Daniel. The grave could not hold down our Lord Jesus Christ. He raised him from the dead. God is able to rescue you. Put your trust in him. In conclusion, this narrative proves that God of Daniel is still the king of heaven and of earth. The kingdom, his kingdom will ever forever reign. And he will vanquish his foes. And he is able to deliver his own. But he has called his people to faithfulness and integrity in our everyday lives. May the Lord grant us the courage, the conviction, and the confidence of Daniel as we live our lives as exiles in this world. Well, we've come to the end of the service, but our fellowship has not ended. And I love Zionsville Fellowship for its name itself, Zionsville Fellowship. And that is what... We're going to do for some moment, linger around, talk with people, as we have always loved to do. And I believe that God will be glorified in our fellowship together. Let us please receive the benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Go in peace.